Welcome to MTG Evolving Wild. My name is Mark. I'm Cody. And I am Ron. And today we're going to be talking about Commander and more specifically the cards that have recently uh, been exclusively made for Commander and have made their way into a lot of other products. Yeah. Um, we did a little bit of research on this. Um just to say, like, there have been a lot of commander-focused things going on in Magic sets over the last four years. Right, and I feel like a point that we've mentioned a lot earlier on in the podcast is how much uh, commander has impacted the game as a whole, so I'm super excited to get into that. Yeah, um, just from, like, some rough stats, there have been over 50% of all commanders... Uh, wow. That have been printed in the last four years. And these are unique commanders, not reprints of old commanders. Yeah, they're kind of flooding <laughs> the format with just a lot of options. And to an extent, that's really good. But it also becomes very overwhelming and just like a lot. Yeah, no, you said it great, Mark. Um, there is a real fatigue at times with just how many options are available to you if you go to sit down and build a commander deck. Yeah, yeah, the product bloat is real. It's crazy. I think, uh, you know, commander kind of has this problem already because uh, it's a format where every... Pretty much every new thing printed in Magic the Gathering, unless it is specifically a reprint of another card, is a new card that can go in Commander. Um, and when you start adding to that like cards that are specifically designed for Commander, sets, products, pre-cons, all with unique new cards that are designed specifically for Commander, it just... It, it, it's... it's an unfathomable number of cards like <laughs> not just that but i mean magic's been around for 30 years and the vast majority of all of those cards you can play in commander and the vast majority of all of those cards for commander have been printed recently like like <laughs> I, just, what, what are what are some of the numbers for the past uh, few years that we've seen so in what's like a good number to even start at in 2019 there were 78 unique new commanders printed in 2020 there were 186 in 2021 <laughs> there were 193 and in 2022 there were 362 new commanders just commanders not cards printed for commander and how many do we have so far this year I think this is counting the Lord of the Rings set, which just came out at the time of recording. It's like 226, and we're halfway through the year. Yeah. Yeah, there's still, what, uh, Commander Masters. Which is going to be filled with them. Um, there's the Doctor Who sets. Mm -hmm. There's Eldraine that still needs to come out. And do we get to Ixalan this year? think maybe or is that or it's either early next year or late this year yeah i i, I think it 
I think Eldraine might be the last one. I'm, I'm I think sure, I think Eldraine is the last one. I think yeah. Ixalan is like so January early next year. Yeah, yeah. But like, just even like since we mainly play Commander, we've really seen this kind of kind of grow and take shape and take over the whole format. Like, um, I remember when. Uh, Archaeomancer's map came out in uh, Strixhaven Commander, and that was like very, uh, like a very cool, unique, like good white card. Every thought, it, everyone thought it was going to be a new uh, staple for for white decks. Everyone wanted it, and right now, I mean, I think it's still a really good white card for for just white decks, but. Like, it feels like every time there's a new commander release, there's a new white card that's good for every white deck. Well, to be fair to white, it had <laughs> been so terrible in commander for the longest time. So it did need a little bit of help. And at this point, you could pretty much fill it up with new cards from the last four years and just have, like, a unbelievably good white deck. Like... Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's real. I'm excited. I've been brewing around the Mother of Machines, Elish Norn, and it's uh, been really cool to experiment because I used to have a Flicker deck of my own, and now with every new set, I realized, you know, with this really awesome but scary commander, um, and most of, half of the deck I was playing was white, plus all this new stuff, yeah, like, I could easily go without blue and just kind of focus in on that, and I think it's really interesting because, like, while white is getting all this advantage, it's usually towards specific themes. Like I noticed they're really trying to lean into some of the archetypes that white wants to lean into, such as uh, going wide with making a lot of creatures to get a lot of creature ETBs or blink to get those ETBs. Um, but they're all tied into you sort of building your board state or something. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know. And, and I feel like there's a lot of themes in general, that Commander has kind of spawned as an archetype because it's only playable in Commanders with specific Commander cards uh, that are found in a lot of new sets that are getting recurring support. Yeah, I, I was kind of curious real quick before we move on, like, what do you guys, like, do you guys keep up with when a new set comes out? Like, I know I have, like, 10-ish commander decks and I don't yeah. like check every single one of those every time a new set comes out to see if there's new cards for it like how do you guys go about when a new set comes out like looking at new cards like do you guys care like is it hard to keep up with so naturally I do still kind of keep up with spoilers and I'm looking for new stuff all the time but a lot of times once a deck is built for me as long as it's still functioning the way I want it to, I kind of just leave it alone. I, I I try not to tinker with it too much and screw up what I have working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean I I kind of feel you. I I also have over ten commander decks as well, and it's a lot to keep track of. And I feel like with each new set, I'm getting new things. And really what it's kind of devolved into is uh, me getting updates of the new spoilers on my social media feeds. Uh, from there, you know, I, I like to use Reddit. So I see what the most upvoted uh, cards are and the things that are generating the most hype. And from there, I can usually discern, okay, I want this card or no, I don't really want this card. Occasionally, there are some sleeper hits that I might find out about later, uh, you know, a few months down the line. 
online. But yeah, that's I, I try to keep them updated. And I really uh, am always kind of keeping my eye on specific cards because if I see a card that is amazing for my specific strategy that is pretty undervalued because people only see it as very narrow... I pick it up because I don't know if the cost of that is going to skyrocket or plummet. That's kind of the tough thing is like, especially when you bring in like the, the cost of cards and how the secondary market shifts is like, I feel like if you're not paying attention at all times, you're not getting the like benefits of like when a card is cheap, like, Right. You maybe start to notice the card as it becomes the most expensive card in the set. But prior to that, if you're not like, oh, like this fits perfectly and like this, this and this and all this stuff, then, uh, you know, you kind of miss it when it's a 30 cent card. And then all of a sudden it becomes <laughs> 20 or 30 dollars <laughs> and uh, certain uh, constructed formats like standard or pioneer might be running four ofs of each and. That was actually what I was just about to say was that I feel like Commander has less to do with the price um, like shooting up like it does as much as like how much play it sees in Pioneer or Modern, which I feel like are the more competitive um, format. Yeah, exactly. They you also need more copies of each one for those formats. So no, exactly. But that I think contributes to the price increase yeah. more than it just being a good card for like Commander, where you only need one. Right, and I will say there are some cards that overlap as good cards in other formats and in Commander. Like Shieldred uh, sees a lot of play in Standard at the time of this recording, but she's also a fantastic and pretty popular mono black Commander. Yeah, I mean, she also sees play in Pioneer. I, I should have specified uh, Shieldred the Apocalypse. <laughs> and she go. sees play in... Yes, too many Shieldreds. Uh, modern, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, a lot of formats. Uh, so there are certain cards that overlap, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting when you factor in other formats. But for the purposes of uh, Commander, yeah, maybe I've, I've also kind of been noticing that some of the good cards in these other formats are kind of meant for Commander that just happen to be breaking the format. Like, Popper is another thing, but Commander-based cards and multiplayer cards uh, are just happen to be legal uh, in these other formats, yeah. and, and it warps the other formats, too. Like, for example, the Monarch... Uh uh, what is it? Uh, Undercity, right? Oh, the initiative. The Taking initiative. the initiative and Monarch. Monarch. And, and then more recently, I I don't know how much it'll impact things, but I'm curious to see um, uh, The Ring Tempts You, if that gets, like from the Lord of the Rings set, if that brings any effect to Popper. Oh, 100% I feel like it's going to, because you get two Ring Tempts You levels and you get to draw and discard. That is incredibly powerful. That's true. You you already get a form of of card advantage with the second one. Um, plus, interestingly enough, this is kind of delving into another topic. But one of the most popular, uh, or one of the more popular removal spells in uh, Popper is the two mana card that destroys a non legendary creature. Um, is it the red one? No, it's it's black. It's a black and a colorless, and it says just destroy target non-legendary creature. Um, 
the, for the, whatever reason, the, all I can think yeah. of are the ones that say, like, destroy target legendary creature. Yeah. <laughs> the main point being that that card is really popular. It's, in, it's cast down, yeah. Cast down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that card is, like, when the ring tempts you, you pick a creature and you make it legendary. And because commons aren't legendary, all of a sudden you have a creature that can't be killed by cast down. So maybe that's relevant, but either way, it's a new thing that's been added to Popper because of a, a format or a card designed for Commander um, or, or multiple ca- cards designed for Commander. We see the same things in under, other formats for sure. Uh, I know we were talking in the standard episode about um, uh, Felden, I think, the, yeah, the Felden, Felden that was in standard. Right. That, uh, you know, if it was non-legendary, I'd be running four of them in a deck if I could, <laughs> and sometimes I might, but that has a, a result uh, being that, you know, you can only have one at a time because they are legendary. Um, and and we see cards like, like designed for Commander warp these other formats, but I think we also see, like, just the inclusion of cards designed for Commander in sets that are not designed for commander um like standard and uh maybe certain modern products like modern horizons or uh lord of the rings i guess technically um but but you know you see a lot of a lot of those just uh kind of kind of be introduced and do things in a format that maybe they're not initially intended to do things to um right. that's how much it's warped the game as a whole but yeah yeah and you know it kind of even transcends to how they like seed the pack sometimes especially with uh with set boosters too there's like those cards that are exclusively like you can only pull them from set boosters and collector boosters i don't think you can pull them from collector boosters yeah. All right, maybe we're wrong. Uh, we'll have to look that one up. But uh, I think, yeah, set and or collector boosters, and they are only like designed specifically for commander. And you can, you know, they're not guaranteed by any means. They're like hard to pull. You can't get them from draft boosters, so they're not even designed for the regular set release for standards. So. Um, Kind of another interesting point where they're just trying to sell Commander in a product that maybe isn't supposed to sell Commander, but just ties that in. No, absolutely. And I, the first card that comes to mind is like Wedding Ring, but there's been cards, you know, in basically every set that we've picked up that have had Commander exclusive products in the set boosters. Yeah. Um, at least one per set, I want to say, if not two or three. Hell, half the times I feel like when I open a box of set boosters, I get one of the pre-con commanders, like, <laughs> tucked away in one of the packs. Yeah, that, that happens. Typically, I always get the side commanders. <laughs> I get, I think, usually I get, like, one of the four or one of the however many commanders come with the commander product, but, um... Yeah, like these cards are kind of just put into again products that maybe aren't designed for uh you know standard or or what the set is kind of supposed to be and uh maybe that's 
I don't know, a good thing because Commander's such a popular format and it's getting so much more support, but it does feel like a lot. It's both a good and a bad thing, I guess, because like it's always great to have more people in the community and you know getting into magic. Love that. But Commander is also just like such a difficult format to like break your teeth on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is and it isn't. I think, yeah, well, uh, if you play really complicated decks and really if you get to that depth of deck building where us as a pod has, yeah, but if you just grab a bunch of pre-cons, I, I think while there are some interactions that are tricky, I don't think it's going to be more tricky than picking up a couple of pre-cons for some other formats. I mean, I think pre-cons have started like to become more designed for people who are more familiar with magic than straight up new players. They have designed those those the uh, starter pre-cons. The starter pre-cons. So that might have been a better particular one to mention. Right. But yeah, I guess in general I have been noticing the pre-cons being more and more souped up. We had a commander game very recently where we played against someone playing a pre-con and uh there was like the person playing the pre-con pretty much like almost just kicked all our butts. Like they were the threat basically the entire game. Was that, was that Jacob? Yeah. Yeah. Running Ah. away with the game. Like just kind of like, I mean, I was ready to face a pre-con. So I had, you know, picked one of my lower power deck or more. Did you pick the birds? I did not. I picked my legendary creatures deck, which was that strong. It's, it's good. Um, but I, lo- I love it. But there was uh, like like I, I was expecting a pre-con and it did not feel like we got a pre-con like which is a good thing. Like you open the yeah. box and you can really sit down with people trying to win and be a threat, um, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, you know, like it's uh, I think there are a lot of things in those designed for people more familiar with magic than just uh you know, oh, like pre-cons are for new players. Like, I I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. I think pre-cons are for like a lot of different players. Um, yeah, I suppose I've been thinking of picking up a pre-con for the first time in a while with the new Lord of the Rings sets, actually. Like that Elvish one seems like it could be a lot of fun right out of the box because it has a very political sort of vote mechanic, but it also, you know, isn't just a pure politics deck. It it has value in its Simic. (laughs) Yeah, but kind of to go back to my point, um, Commander has so many cards available to it and you have 99 different cards, basically. Um that you have to like know what they do and how they interact with each other. Right. Which is why I think it makes it more difficult than say like standard or any of the 60 card constructeds where you're running play sets of four in a lot of cases. Sure. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I think that is complicated, but I don't know something about learning in a group environment. I feel almost feels a little bit easier than a one-on-one session, depending on who you ask. Like I, I was a little confused the first time I played commander, but I think I got it. I I feel like if I played another format, I don't know if I would like, let me tell you learning in a learning magic, the gathering 
in a one-on-one session or even like starting by learning like individually, I think is a lot easier than having three people try to explain the same thing to you at the same time, <laughs> like all talking over each other. And it's like, shit, like, no, one person needs to talk right now. Um, but like also like with, with just how I, I mean, we talked about like how I got introduced, how all of you guys got introduced. You were talking about, you know, that first game of commander you played, you didn't really know what was going on. Like you kind of did, but it was more so like other people telling you what to do. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that is, that is true. When I started learning, I initially learned on my own, like via MTG arena, but then, uh, when I started playing commander, I was only playing with one other person. Um, and that maybe isn't as much fun as playing with four people, but it also is like half of the interaction. You get like way more time to play, uh, because you're not waiting for two other people to take their turns. Fewer options even. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you have three opponents, you can throw something to, you know, any of those three plus whatever is on their board typically. Like you got to really process what's going on, what's coming next. Yeah. It's not exactly beginner friendly. Not that you can't cut your teeth on it, but it's just a little harder. Yeah. yeah. One one analogy I actually kind of heard pretty recently is that whereas other formats are obviously like a card game, Commander feels almost more of like a board game in some instances. I did hear that. And yeah, it, it, it totally is applicable. It yeah. feels like a, while it does still feel like Magic the Gathering, it feels like a different game. Um, right. I think with that, like... Yeah, like Cody was saying, there are a lot less options in a two-player game. There's not really any politics like there is in a game of Commander because you're not trying to like make deals with people or uh, trick people into thinking one way or another or uh, maybe just getting around something in, in one way or another, making one person attack someone else. It's more just like... Focus on the mechanics. Focus on the mechanics and focusing on taking one person's life total out over another. Um, For sure. But yeah, I think kind of getting back into the idea of like just how many cards have been printed for uh, Commander, there have been a lot of cards designed specifically for Commander and... A lot of those cards are released in the pre-constructed decks, which nowadays come out with every single set. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're getting four commander sets or four commander pre-cons in way more sets now. And we're getting commander sets too. Like, yeah, sets designed specifically for commander. Um, They started printing pre-cons in pre-cons for commander in 2011 and from 2011 to 2019, we looked up and there were 37, about 37, I think, Commander Precons printed from, what, how many years is that? Like eight years? Yeah. yeah. In the next year, 2020 to 2021, there were 24 Precons printed. So that's 37 over eight years to 24 in one year. Like, 
so yeah, they're they're printing that, and then from 2022 to now, there have already been 35 precons printed, which is almost more than the eight year stint from 2011 to 2019. Yeah, we looked it up. There have been over 60 percent of all precons printed in the last four years. And it's been like a hundred and sixty percent increase from the eight years prior. Yeah, that's that's wild. And you know, I, I I guess to kind of put a time frame on things, how much do you guys think the pandemic really affected all of this, or if it did at all? I think that the ingenuity of people playing Magic you know, to get spell table games together, um, you know, being able to play online has really reshaped how we play magic. Basically now it's no longer like I got to go to the LGS to find a game. I can just boot up the computer go on to zoom with my friends. Yeah, exactly. And I think that has really pushed the format into like warp drive. Yeah. Cause I think it's interesting because it's like, while, because another interesting point is our most new players to the game, like people who have entered the game from around where Mark and I have entered to now are most of those people commander players. Yes, I would probably say, yeah, like it's, it's just exploded in popularity because probably like it, it, it does feel more like a board game than it does a traditional card game. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's more casual. It's not like it's not as certain who's going to be the winner and and stuff like that. Even late in the game, which makes for some exciting turns and exciting plays. But with there just being so many cards printed for Commander in mind, especially in these precons, because they tend to release at least a few new cards in each individual precon. Um, there's just like an overabundance of these cards that are are just good in in every deck maybe and it's it's maybe a kind of thing with like just ma- making a bunch of really solid mid-rangey cards which has been a problem in standard but and in modern and <laughs> in pioneer in if you go of, through the medalist and in popper they're uh, all poppers more diverse. I'd they're say. all mid-range idea. decks for the most part, or at least were before this last group of bands. Yeah, um, and I mean that goes to show kind of how commander printing for commander is like even affecting that. But um, I think there's a different feel to to cards that are printed for like specifically for commander. Uh, while in some cases there might be like a new commander printed for a uh, format or, or a strategy that didn't have one there before. Like for example, uh, for the longest time, Ron was looking for a monkey commander Monkey. and they just in jumpstart 2022 released a gruel monkey commander. That's perfect for him. It, uh, I, I, I was so moved by this. There um, are also, um, cases where it's just like some of these designs tend to feel very boring and generically good kind of how i mentioned earlier with the cards that are just good in white like they just seem to print more and more of those good stuff cards that it's like 
uh, if you're going to build a white deck now, maybe you just need to buy like all of these cards because they're just good in every white deck. Oh, you need a welcoming vampire. You need a, a smothering tie to fairy sta- staff of the storyteller. You know, we could probably go on a little while here and just keep picking off names of any bracks. And if we start going into other colors, I'm sure there's also things that have been printed recently that are just staples in the particular color. Like, uh, the cycle of, uh, free, uh, spells. If you control your commander, like, uh, uh, um, deflecting SWAT, deflecting Arca- guardianship, Ar- arcane denial. Or no, that's a different. Sorry, uh, fierce guardianship. Uh, there's flawless maneuver. maneuver. There's um, a green one. <laughs> nobody cares about the green one. Something haze, uh, obscuring haze. I think, and then I deadly rollick, right. and then deadly rollick is the black one. Yes. Yeah, obscuring haze is right. Um, and you know, those have been printed recently. Um, there's, uh, you know, prior to. I, I don't know exactly when Chaos Warp was printed, but that used to be like almost the only mono red uh, gen- generic removal spell. And now they've printed at least two more, I want to say. There's Wild Magic Surge and I want a uh, Chaotic Transformation. There's a few kind of iterations of the card, yeah. But actually, interestingly enough, its first printing is coming from Commander 2011. Oh, wow. Oh, that's early Commander. Very mm-hmm. cool. I think that's the first Commander set, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. First Commander pre-cons were released then. Um, and now, you know, it, it's kind of a problem even when deck building, because if you sit down and decide you want to make like a, uh, I don't know, enchantment deck in white, you can make that deck but if you want it to be super good you might replace 10 or even 20 of those cards that would be your commander deck of unique cool enchantments with just good stuff cards that may or may not be enchantments that are just solid Mm, so you're kind of like talking about maybe like something like light pause um sure i've i've had light pause is kind of specifically in the auras category but um, in my own experience with, with light pause, there's been a lot of time where I've been like, oh, like I have like, uh, Dranith magistrate, which is just a really good card in commander to stop your opponents from doing things or, um, smuggler share. I think I currently have in the deck, but I'm thinking about cutting it cause it's not as cool as like running a big aura that just does stuff but the raccoons but the raccoons that's the one thing or you could just swap it for a smothering tithe but i have both cody how do i pick one the smothering tithe is just the better card (laughs) but that you know i've also taken cards out of the deck that have been these generically good cards um like there's a creature that does something very similar to smuggler's share um and uh i think i do I have Esper Sentinel in the deck? I feel like you do. I feel like I have Esper Sentinel. I know you have deck. Esper Sentinel. I don't know whether you have it in your Legends deck or in your White it's deck. It's definitely not in my Legends deck it's because it's, be in your white it's deck. not a legendary creature. But yeah, like, so, so, and that's almost a problem with like the homogenization of Commander, uh, which is, you know, just kind of making these decisions once we really get into the game of like, what's going to draw me the most cards, gain me the most value so that I can go off and do the thing I want to do. 
rather than like what's the the coolest weird uh niche card that i can play and i think that kind of brings us into another point is just that maybe how we feel about those cards that are designed for commander compared to cards that were not designed for the format that just kind of came about naturally as uh draft chaff or uh a random modern synergy or you know uh something that would fit into a standard set that made an impact um and how those affect our deck building and and those maybe feel a little bit more exciting when we can make something that seems like a garbage card or seems like it doesn't have a home into the spotlight card of the deck almost yeah, yeah, because I I love I think that's maybe a big appeal of Commander, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, just for a second, because at least for me, you know, I got into it because I felt like you can express yourself much more easily in a game of Commander than you can in a game of Standard. Not impossible to express yourself in either, and you always have options, but you can't really get to the level of individuality that a ninety nine card Commander decks and, and um deck gets and it's like really a cool thing and and I think yeah you know a lot of these super niche cards are kind of why commander is so important in the fact that they're printing a lot more of these staple cards uh yeah you know it, it's, it's kind of dividing the player base and almost like while I know CEDH is an entirely different format in its own right there's almost kind of becoming a more defined uh like like other higher power level uh that's always kind of been there but it's just it's like there's more people are getting there and there's CEDH high power EDH and then like lower power EDH and between high and low power EDH there's a scale of different yeah, there's power a chasm of there, there's just like a scale of how much bullshit can you fit in yeah. this 99 card deck like it's very easy which which is one of the reasons I almost like CEDH it's very easy to be like oh CEDH okay you know what needs to go in that deck like 40 out of the like a hundred cards are already picked out for you almost, if I, not I would, more. I would argue that it's closer to like 85 of the cards are picked out. And it probably depends on the deck, but yeah, yeah, it could be closer to like 85. And it really, you're just making a decision on like 15-ish cards, give sure. or take. <laughs> and those could be cards that might be slotted in for other cards anyways. Um, it's why I really like uh, the Bergy CDH deck I have, because I feel like that is way closer to the lower end of how many like CEDH staples are in that deck. Like the card has a lot or the deck has a lot more cards that are like, Oh, random cantrip. That's not really used, but has niche play in this deck. Um, but yeah, like CEDH has that like kind of figured out. Like it's like, these are cards and formats that like you put in this deck and then it's powerful and it goes, yeah, here's the win cons. Here's your interaction. And now you have just a tiny bit of room for efficient pet cards that you like um, that fit your how you're trying to play. And though you got to be strict about those if you're like really trying to play CEDH. I mean, you don't have to be, but you. But then you're not be. playing CEDH if you're not making an optimal choice. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, with high power EDH, it's like, all right, it, it's a little bit more hard to tell because. In high power EDH, it's not just about like 
you, I mean, you winning the fastest, it's also like certain strategies are better against other ones. You can get hosed a lot easier by specific things. There's, uh, you know, just kind of this undefined power level maybe where it's like, oh yeah, this is a high power EDH deck, but don't you know, it's a seven. (laughs) Everything is a seven. Everything. Precons are sevens now. And like I, a six and a half, honestly. <laughs> Dude, that Frodo precon was so good. It absolutely was. And if you just tweak that mana base just slightly, oh, it yeah. becomes a seven. I feel like the mana base was even solid. 100%. And it's a trend I've noticed in the precons because I've been enjoying some of the precon commanders more. Where you get a lot of these really good lands that do have the ability to come in untapped, which has always been the problem with the precons, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That plus, I feel like they're not trying to slot in, uh, what's the land? Uh, Temple of the False God. Oh, they're man. not trying to slot that into every precon anymore. Thank God. <laughs> Thank False God. I, I I always try to get that to be a playable card, but I just cut it from all my decks. No, that card... You just need a landfall deck. Okay, with a landfall deck, I think it's at least playable, but... I, I would time. I was gonna argue like I almost put it in every green deck that I had because I play a lot of land based ramp in my green decks. But, but what I've if you don't? Of, I, I guess the color fixing exactly that's my problem. But in my mono green deck, you could I've play been, it. I've just, I've been contemplating it because that land count is super tight. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> it's it's you're very welcome. It's a great deck. I uh, I built that one for Ron. It's cool. Random question: Are we doing our secret Santa this year? That's exciting. We ha- we could have more people this year too because we've started playing. adding to the pod. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that we'll get be... maybe we'll get some viewers in on this too. Oh yeah, that would be really cool. Reach out to us on social media if you'd be interested in something <laughs> like this. Let's do it. Let's build some decks for each other. Oh yeah, yeah. The last one was really fun. I was talking earlier about the legendary tribal deck that I have. Um, currently not in its most powerful iteration, but Ron had built that deck for me. And I had gotten Ron in the Secret Santa and built him a very cool modal kind of plus one, plus one counter commander mono green thing. It's very cool. Don't put Temple of the False God in there. Yeah, I cut it. I had it in there for a minute, but I cut it. Don't worry. Good. <laughs> such, ah. I, yeah, I think Landfall is the only thing that I would see. It's like Sol Ring, but a land. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a Sol Ring that you can't use for five turns, but a land. Balanced Sol Ring. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's exactly what it is, is it's fair Sol they already made fair soul ring it's like a modern horizons two card that has like suspend two uh suspend three thank you very much it's soul talisman i know exactly so soul talisman (laughs) soul talisman you can't play for three turns but temple of the false god i'm pretty sure is like the land count has to be five it does actually like four turns when you really think about it because it's three suspend counters plus the turn that you play or suspend it on so and, and oh, so yeah, like and, even and if you do it on turn one, it doesn't come into play until turn four. And, and now that I think about it, Temple of the False God can go online at turn four too because it counts itself as the fifth land, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, you just need four other. It uh, could so go like, on earlier if you yeah, have and if, and if more you land ramp. ramp once or even twice. Like yeah, but at least it's like you know if you if you have one land in your starting hand. 
If you have three lands in your starting hand and one of them is Temple of the False God, would you keep so that ter- starting no. hand? Hell do no. I have land ramp? Let's say. Do I do I have a uh, rampant growth or uh, you have rampant growth? Okay. Wait, no, you have cultivate. Kodama's reach. You have cultivate or Kodama's reach in your hand, and you have temple of the false god and two other lands. One of them is a green source. Do I have card draw as well? No. Oh, then no. Well, okay, you have card draw, but, but it's not then, like yeah, I'd, I'd possibly. But it's not like that. brainstorm card draw. It's like yeah, like like draw a card or two. No, it's like you, you like, pay, like pay three mana, draw a card. Yeah. Screw it, I'd do that. But you need three mana, and you don't, you can't get that with Temple of the False God. If you but if have I two have two other lands. lands, I'll play that Cultivate, and then Cultivate is three mana. That's the point. Uh, well, Rampant Growth. <laughs> that's why I said Rampant Growth. And then, but I said right, Cultivate. Right. Okay. Oh, Kodama's okay. Reach, which is also okay. three. I didn't think about that. That they are three drops. Okay. If I had a Rampant Growth, maybe. But if I had a Cultivate. Maybe nah, maybe if I had that, hand, that hand. no, maybe, probably not. Unless it's like turn. I'm also not. Uh, I, I'm also a, an S tier magic player. Unless you're mulling to five and you have to dump the temple of the false god, like <laughs> you're not keeping that hand. If, if, yeah. I, if I drew seven and temples in that hand, you know, and it's two other lands, and I had to drop to five, that is for sure one of the cards going on the bottom. Yep. Yeah, I, I think the only time you're like comfortable keeping Temple of the False God is when you have too many lands, anyways, and most likely you don't want to keep a six land hand, even a five land hand. All right, so so we get it. You, you guys don't like uh, Temple of the False God. No one does. <laughs> I I I think I. Okay, landfall decks aside, yeah, it's. I wish it was more playable. Maybe they'll make a more pushed version soon to sell a precon. They reprint Soul Ring every precon. Um, That's true. Which we call it. And uh, there's the Eldrazi precon in Commander Masters. I bet you. Oh, Temple of the Falser God. <laughs> I mean, they are the Eldrazi are the false gods. Yeah, themselves. exactly. So cool. Maybe they'll they'll print Temple of the Falsest God, and you can just <laughs> tap it for two colorless, and then. You gain life. I don't know. Yeah, but that with um, what's the card? Forsaken Monument. I don't remember what that one does. It adds an additional uh, colorless to uh, your colorless lands. <laughs> oh, there you go. At that point, just put the Tron lands in there too. Maybe also if there's a way that you could get your Temple of the False God to tap for another color, like if you can tutor Filter. out like Urborg or, or Yavimaya to make it a forest or a swamp. Oh yeah. No, that, that, that does change the equation. But too. then, but then in that point you wouldn't be able to tap it for two green or two. Yeah. But you'd be able to play it still. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you had an Urborg or Yavimaya in hand, all of a sudden oh, that land that would, changes the whole that, equation. That, yeah. <laughs> although it would still, uh, although yeah, Temple it would still be play that yeah. that three land hand would still be playable at that, that point. Would be. That would be. Is this going to become the Temple of the False God episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to see what set it was originally printed in. Zendikar, I'm guessing. That, you guessed incorrectly. Uh-oh. Zendikar Rising. Nope. Earlier, you guys return probably to Zendikar. <laughs> return to return to return to Zendikar. No, it, it's not a Zendikar set. Let me uh, take a it's real Scourge. educated guess. You're, you're looking it up on your phone. I, I said see a real cheater. educated guess. All yeah, right. that would have been a real educated guess. <laughs> um, so that was actually a card that was probably printed, was reprinted in Commander 2011, but in its original printing was probably a card not printed specifically for Commander. 
Um, I was curious to see if that was printed in one of the commander precons or not, but um, it it is like at one point was kind of a card that was not designed for commander that was then usable in commander, but nowadays has fallen back out of favor. Uh, and I, I think in, in the same way how we're both kind of telling you here, like Temple of the False God isn't playable. <laughs> and you're saying, but what if this, but what if that? Like, that's a little bit of like... The joy of Commander. Yeah, yeah. the the joy of it. And, and part of that comes to cards not specifically designed to fit in Commander. Like, you know, there's this card that's not that great maybe in any format, but... Commander, <laughs> but Commander might be the card that you can make these cards work. Um, yeah, and, and I think we're starting to, just with how many cards are printed specifically for Commander now, this is starting to maybe be less of the format where you can just play cards like Temple of the False God or Twiddle. I mean, Twiddle in certain strategies is really good. Oh, I mean, I have two decks that have been basically built around a twiddle strategy. So aside from like and one of them is borderline CEDH playable. Yeah. Aside from maybe those strategies, um, you know, these cards that don't see a lot of commander play because they're, you know, not great in any format. Maybe they're starting not to have a home anymore because where are you going to play? I mean, you know, you could just play low power commander. So, you know, you, that's kind of designed around that, but Honestly, the um, devil tribal deck that I built uh, for when we were attempting to do like a budget uh, pod for our commander group. Attempted. Yeah, I think there were like three of us that built a budget. I, I, I was the only one who didn't do that because I was intent on building a popper commander deck. <laughs> that's I remember that. Yeah, But... Honestly, that's pretty low power in terms of, of like how it wins and everything. I would call it a battle cruiser. Yeah, it's it's a fair deck. You just uh, swing out with your devils, and if they die, you deal damage. And then I make more devils. There you go. Um, but honestly, that is some of the most fun I have playing Commander is when we bring out like some of these lower power decks and I can just swing into people and it's so much fun compared to the grind that is like higher powered commander. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think there's a lot of really oppressive strategies or can be at least in higher power commander or just things that take you out of the game really easily or really quickly if you don't have an answer. Yeah, there's a lot more removal in higher level powers in Commander. The higher level power you go, the more removal you're usually packing. Um, I I, I find it's kind of fifty fifty because right, right. I meant more like interaction because removal isn't is is a little too specific. But I think interaction, so things like counter spells and oh, things absolutely, like off offensive interaction. You guys play mention. blue? It, it it's more Always, maybe it's more like instant speed interaction. Yeah. Whereas, like, in a lot of lower power, I've found that you run into more, like, sweepers or board wipes. A lot um, of ETBs. Yeah. Um, a lot of sorcery speed, like, kill this creature, kill this enchantment. You know, whereas when we get into the higher powered stuff, it's, okay, cool. You're, you gave me priority? Cool. That's dying, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... 
uh, and maybe you guys disagree with me on this, but I think the best game, uh, you guys wouldn't disagree with me on this. The best games of Commander are the ones where everybody gets to do their thing, I feel like. And I, I actually disagree with you. The best games of the Commander are the ones where I get to do my thing and nobody else does and I win. No, those are not the best games of Command. That, no, that you're, you're ex- definitely right. Yeah, that does explain Ron's personality and <laughs> gameplay to a T, though. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, Ron's decks feel like they're specifically designed to stop me from doing the thing that I want to do. I can smell when you're cooking up a victory, dude. Every can you time smell I what Cody know. is cooking? Always, How? Baby. Always. And I've been you know so what? good because it's because, it's because like you keeping... tap out. That's why. <laughs> when you tap out i know that on your next upkeep like we're done oh my god that's uh that's what, that may actually be true I, I, <laughs> that's your tell that's your tell when, i, I when do Cody tend to overcommit out. a little bit the turn before i'm about to go it's all right it's better than mark who literally just basically like slaps his dick on the table immediately <laughs> just like as soon as he, he, he just goes man turns one through five mark's dick is just on the table <laughs> looking to beat someone to death with it <laughs> literally they're all saying this literally yeah uh, that's what a commander game is like with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to have a special fun commander uh, i hope our parents are listening to this <laughs> we i think cody you have like a really good like evil guy kind of like like you 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 kind of have that turn where you're the big bad guy and you're about to do your big bad plan and you there's Does just that, that make me the hero no no that makes you the guy who interferes with the, so with the, the hero with the big bad evil guy's plan i do like white as a color it is it no, is no you're not the hero but you're just like the comedic relief that randomly comes in and saves the day uh, so, so i'm the jar jar in the middle of a battlefield slipping inside and throwing grenades everywhere you you are the sancho panza to <laughs> <laughs> to me tilting at windmills. <laughs> there have been a lot of games like that, and I love that. Like where Cody's about to win, or but but I really think like obviously to to some extent, like you want to shut everyone down and win kind of without interference. Yeah, I, I like it. When, I, I like getting myself to a point where I can't possibly lose. I, I, I like basically just kind of not necessarily stopping you guys from just doing things in general, but getting to a point where it's like, I've obviously outvalued guys to the point where, you know, like no one's going to get resources. I have all the big numbers and you guys have the little numbers. I think, <laughs> I think the best games though are the ones where regardless of who wins that game, like everybody has had a chance to like 100% do do something in the game and make it. Everyone became a threat at one point or another. Right. Thousand percent agreed. Yeah. I think, uh, at, at the very least those create the most enjoyment for everyone involved. And, uh, compared to like, you know, you don't really get that maybe in CEDH, depending on the higher power EDH you're playing, you don't really get that. In other formats, um, like, you know, two-player formats, you don't really get that either. Commander is a unique space where you can kind of do your thing, make an impact on the board, become a threat, make everyone fear you, and then lose, and still have (laughs) had that... 
that moment, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, Commander also introduces a whole aspect that we don't really talk about because it doesn't have to do with the game itself in politics, where Mm. if you're good at it, you can literally convince people that you're not the threat, that, you know, so-and-so is, usually it's Mark. (laughs) (laughs) No, so here's, no, Mark is an obvious threat. You don't need to convince people that Mark is a threat. You usually need to, it's usually you or me that people have to, like, like, usually people are convincing someone else that you or I are a threat. That's always Because we are. We are, (laughs) yeah, because we're the value players. And then you you guys are always convincing everyone else that I'm the threat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're obviously the threat. Why See, <laughs> but I like to play commander because I feel like I'm not maybe the best at the the political part of it where it's like, how do I get people on my side? How do I convince people not to get rid of me? <laughs> like that there have been so many commander games where I'm at like five health and I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here and maybe <laughs> I'll get to my next turn. But uh but I'm not really good at that part, so I just like to to get the cards on the table hit the ground running and like win before (laughs) before anything else like get that value not through like secretly putting a card down here and no look over there like no no i'm gonna be i'm gonna be seen as the threat at one point or another so i might as well just rip the band-aid right off (laughs) (laughs) but um kind of segueing into this point i'm kind of curious what like your guys's maybe some experiences you remember from commander games or, or moments that you had in games that were just like kind of big impact or, or really memorable and stuck out to you and that you even remember now. Oh, I can think of a couple of them. Um, one of them was a game I was playing at, uh, one of the local stores that we play at and I w- was in a three-person table. I was playing the Anhelo, um precon that I had upgraded. And I was going off. <laughs> I generated like 52 mana. I, you know, cast a big scary spell to kill both players. Um and I had stuff on my board to make sure that it was uncounterable. I was so sure I had this game locked up. <laughs> and That's when they get you, when yeah. you're so sure. Yep. And one of the players just drops a dual caster mage to redirect the spell <laughs> back at me. And I'm, I had a counter spell in my hand, but could not counter it because of cards I had on the board. I had to go digging a little bit to find a removal spell to kill the card that um, like was stopping everything from being countered just so I could counter the spell coming at me. <laughs> it was just 30 seconds of adrenaline pumping. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> just digging and digging. Yes. Um, before I finally just got the victory and could breathe and relax and... it. It's the things that make Commander fun for me, is where your brain is just spinning 100 miles an hour trying to figure an out for you to possibly even get back to winning the game or just surviving. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's awesome. And having those big crazy moments are probably like the best thing. And I don't know, like uh, if, if we're going to segue on to my favorite experience or one of my favorite experiences is when we all got together to play the Warhammer decks. Oh, yeah, um, that was I, I was playing the Imperium of Man. Uh, Cody, you were playing the Chaos, yeah, Chaos Marines. Uh, our friend Chris was playing Tyranids. Uh, Tyranids and our friend our other friend Jacob was playing the Necrons. Uh, it all felt very thematic of kind of like how we play magic to a bit. Oh, absolutely. So it, it felt like a lot of flavor points, you know, the Tyranids were getting really big and our friend Chris is known for making like, 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 it, like, <laughs> like, like, like he plays like Mark. He, he puts his cards on the table and he will just roll with the punches. And he was just going off with the Tyranids making massive big dudes. And then I had a vendetta for, Cody because uh, Imperium hates the chaos and also Cody was doing really really scary shit and all I was drawing was removal and interaction. <laughs> it was the worst for me. <laughs> Every time I get myself set up to do the big scary thing, there's Ron with a removal spell. <laughs> I had, I had a great time, and then, yeah, and then uh, Jacob was just brooding in the background, as Necrons do, occasionally doing some evil crap and bringing some dead guys back to Killing life. stuff, bringing but, it back. <laughs> yeah, but I'd say uh, the highlight of that was at this point, um, I have exhausted all of my interaction and resources, um, so, so has Cody, and really, Chris, who just had this massive 38-38 uh, trample beater, and Everyone was taking a bit of damage, so this presented a lethal threat to everybody. And everybody had a creature besides me on the board. And, uh, yeah, and I've been uh, tr policing the board a bit and using interaction where so, and I definitely rubbed Chris the wrong way. But <laughs> I remember the turn before, I top-decked this one card, Entrapment Maneuver. And uh, what this card says is, as I'm pulling it up, all right. It says, target player sacrifices an attacking creature, and I create X-1-1 white soldier creature tokens where X was that creature's toughness. And he swings into me with his one and only 38-38 Tyranid, and it just had, and I just got to play this one spell, and I made 38 tokens all at once, and he had to sacrifice his attacker, and it just felt like the best, like the Imperium forces just come in and save the day, and then the next turn after that, I drew the one of the miracle cards, and it was like an X spell that let me create a whole bunch of angels, and at that point it, it just felt like the glory of the emperor coming back and it was such a long drawn out game and it and the wind just kind of came out of nowhere it literally came from the top of my deck and uh yeah it really felt like that sort of flavorful slog of like you know futuristic warfare that is the grim dark future of 40k i have quite a few yeah, things tell I've us been, about it, dude. I've been looking up. Uh, at first, when I when I had kind of thought about this question, I was really coming up blank. But um, you know, what really reminded me some of these things was going back and like looking at old deck lists and looking at specific cards. And uh, I think that's how, interestingly enough, I retain all these memories. Like if I see a picture or the art of a card, it all of a sudden brings back the memory of this one time I had with the crazy experience with it. Uh, I'll, I'll try to, to keep some of them to, to points that are maybe more related to this pod. Um, 
I remember one game where I was playing uh, my Dina Soul Steeper deck, um, which usually wins through uh, me randomly drawing the infinite combo piece, uh, Exquisite Blood. But <laughs> it's always exquisite there are blood. also times when I don't win just by doing that. I remember one game in particular where uh, Ron was playing his Snakes deck and was had accrued more value than everyone had snakes. about 30 or 40 snakes on the table and was <laughs> now at the point in time and this is where I like to take advantage of commander is when Ron has to do counting and like <laughs> doesn't always get the numbers right and I just keep my mouth shut <laughs> but uh Ron had successfully counted all of the right damage to deal to each person at the table uh and he had more than enough creatures to do so and I was just like, okay, I have this because as long as Ron doesn't like overextend at me, I'm good. I was holding up Weather the Storm, which is uh, mm. the storm card that keeps gaining you back life for every spell that's been cast in a turn. And Ron was casting a lot of spells. I was probably popping off. I believe even Cody had a spell cast somewhere in your turn. Yeah, so probably <laughs> just so I could put a stop to his shenanigans. Just for good measure, Cody cast a spell during Ron's turn. So we were maybe like, uh, I don't know, five spells in or something like that. And you had like sent out all this damage. And then I just weathered the storm before combat damage was dealt got my life total up, might have like ended up killing a player with that, and then got you down to super low life. And then on my upkeep, I gained life, you took damage, and I won. And I just yeah. remember thinking, like, <laughs> dude, like that that was all in my hand, you know? Like how I played that, how I put that on the table, like that was just a huge moment where it's like, well, what's gonna happen right now? And and always thinking in the back of my mind, what if, what if, but um that was a very very uh memorable moment with so many fun games i i remember another one with dina actually and it's we were playing with the same pod i think uh chris was the fourth player and it's chris yes Tyrion hits chris <laughs> uh and he had played a black market connections <laughs> this was this so just a little context <laughs> for people listening in we're laughing because Chris, on more than one occasion, has had to kill himself with his own black market connections on m multiple occasions. It happens so often. And this is one of those times where his black market connections killed everyone else except for me. <laughs> I had just enough mana to play Dina and play Exquisite Blood, but I didn't have anything that could follow up with like gaining life or any kind of like basically loop to start the combo and end the game uh chris was the next person in the turn order he already had black market connections out and black market connections isn't an option it says you have to pay life to do one of these things one of three things you have to do at least one so it gets to his turn nobody realizes it i don't realize it and then he reads black market connections he's like Oh shit! <laughs> and, then, and then my combo starts, and that like that won the game there. But dude, so many oh shit moments with Chris. <laughs> I, I have another really short, funny one too. Yeah. Like this was a three-player pod with me, Cody, and Chris. 
and I remember this. Yeah, one. so you already know. So uh, yeah, Chris named this deck the Punisher just because it's it's basically like a group slug Bernie deck. I don't know. It's weird. He makes wacky brews. It's awesome. And so basically, he played this card called Repercussions out, which reads that whenever a creature takes damage, it deals that much damage back to its controller. And we were joking, laughing around, like, "Oh, ha, that's funny." If you'd play a blasphemous act, and Chris kind of looks us deadpan in the eyes. And he says, oh, I don't play board wipes. <laughs> For those who are not aware, Blasphemous Act is a board wipe <laughs> that deals 13 damage <laughs> to each creature. Yes. So um, he, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just, I was playing my mono white flicker deck with Elishnor and I just cast the commander and I realized I had one open mana and I'm like, all right, all right. Someone's probably going to try and remove her. So let's see what happens. Cody did some Cody things. And Chris looks at us on his upkeep and says, you know, it's funny that you guys mentioned Blasphemous Act. And, of course, the Mad Lad casts it. And there are enough creatures on the board that not only would it kill uh, Cody and myself, but it would kill Chris, too. Oh, yeah. Three-way draw. (laughs) That's what he was going for. (laughs) He just wanted to go for the chaos. But I realized that one interaction spell I had was Brave the Elements, which is a... Uh, instant speed spell for one white that gives all of my creatures protection from the chosen color and protection is a complicated keyword but it prevents damage that would be dealt by the color of that choice so i chose red for blasphemous act my creature survived and i was the last one standing somehow wow (laughs) yeah i mean to go back to repercussions we were playing in a five pod um, or no, 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 no. Ron had just gotten to the game, but we had already been in mid game. Mm-hmm. So it was a four pod. Um, and Chris plays repercussions again. <laughs> I convince, uh, our friend Jacob to kill Mark. And then I had to like figure out how I was going to win the game from that point. And I was playing this Ashnod deck that I had and I, like was tinkering around with some of the ideas and I went, Oh wait, I can just do this. I had a blasphemous act in my hand. I could kill (laughs) all of my creatures (laughs) and deal a bunch of damage to the table. And then I could (laughs) just blasphemous act and kill everyone. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. God, I, I had another, another fond memory from, playing commander with uh actually it was a recently upgraded pre-con that i had it was when i had zaxara the and i built that like x spell tribal deck so just dumping mana you mean freed from the real tribal well (laughs) it ultimately ended up being a couple card combo deck but um there was that uh just a lot of like X spell shenanigans going on. And before I had all of the freed from the real and cards that went infinite like that, um, the precon came with uh, villainous wealth, which <laughs> is a card that says like, yes. I think, you know, you choose a player, that person exiles the top X cards of their library and you can play any of them that have mana cost X or less. And, uh, it got. We were playing this game at a game store, and it got to pretty late game. 
I had accrued a bunch of mana on my board. The game was at somewhat of a standstill. It was a sl- let's put it this way: there was a humility on board. Right, there was a humility on board. Humility wasn't there. Uh, is a card. It's a static enchantment that turns all creatures into uh, one ones with no abilities. Yeah, that was annoying. But I was playing a wall deck. <laughs> I cried. I. Uh, I had this uh, villainous wealth in my hand, and yeah, the game was going nowhere. It was probably a two or three hour game, and you know, I was starting to count up, and I realized I think I had somewhere around 20 or so, like just mana accumulated. And so I'm like, all right, like it's time to play some magic. So I just (laughs) spend it all and cast villainous wealth on the guy who played humility because his deck was full of good stuff so i just like looked at like the top 17 cards of his library and like played the probably all of them because they were all under 17 and i got like stuff like uh weird board wipes like uh i think void winnower whichever one is like the oh the one that when he sac when he sacrificed no, a creature no void winnower is, is, is that the uh, odd number one you you can't oh you can't even you literally can't even that's yes you yeah you can't yep. e- even that is that's exactly even. you yeah. can't play spells that's how with, I remember that card. with even mana value and you can't block with uh spells or permanence with even mana value so and zero counts as uh even yeah i i randomly got like this card off the top of his deck and just like i remember just like the board was now filled with cards i didn't own and like so it's one thing if your board is filled with your own deck and then it's like oh man geez this is this is a conundrum. What do I do? How do I win this? Like, but it's another thing when it's filled with cards that you don't own. And it's like, uh, how do I play magic again? Like, I don't, I don't remember what any of these do and what order they're going to go on the stack. That was a long, that was a very long turn. I take very long turns, but not on purpose. Sometimes that was, that was understandably long. Did you cast one spell though? Sometimes (laughs) I cast cast one spell spell and 17 things. You you cast like 18 technically. Yeah. yeah. I spent mana to cast one and as a result had to cast 17 more, but I, I, don't think I ended up winning that game. Someone else had the yeah, out to it. Yeah, I think it. ultimately it was the guy who uh, played the humility ended up taking the game. I, that one was a definitely mismatch of power levels, but it was still a fun game. It was and, still and crazy. It was, it was a three-hour-long game. I remember that while everyone else had rotations, Mark and I were playing that game the whole uh, Commander night. There was one more uh, thing that's more of a general thing that I really enjoy about Commander, and... Uh, it has to do with my Tiny Bones deck, uh, which was such a cool story in itself. I remember when I, I randomly bought a Jumpstart pack from uh, the game store we were at, and we were just sitting down playing Commander games, and I opened this card. I'm like, huh, that's neat. And then I looked it up, and it was like a $15 card at the time. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and then I was like, I want to build this Commander. And then it's like one of my favorite decks now. I would have never gotten into black as a color if it weren't for that pack but um tiny bones uh synergizes really well with all kinds of cards that make people discard on their upkeep including a very special card called bottomless pit i have made so many people feel so bad when they have to discard a card at random and I, ve- I really enjoy the aspect of it's like, 
all right, like you're letting someone else like choose a face down card from your hand. It's like we're doing a magic trick now, but that yeah, outcome is never good. Yeah, your hands disappear. Yes. <laughs> so I actually have a funny story that doesn't involve me playing a, a commander game. Ooh. That relates to your Tiny Bones deck. Okay. okay. So I remember that we were at an, uh, at the game store and we were seated at different tables and you were actually seated with the guy who had played the Humility and has a lot of expensive cards in his deck because he's been playing forever. Shout out to Humility guy. Um, and I just hear him yelling across the store, F you, Mark. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, like, I was like, I know what Mark's playing now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, though, that was one of the most, like best feeling moments too because it was like you know this guy had always come with like these super powerful cards and it always feel like how am i gonna play around this like why am i playing commander like i can't i can't do anything you don't have to play against the cards if you make them discard exactly then i get to play tiny bones and i'm like no 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 don't worry like it's not that good and then it was (laughs) and then it was like damn it like now we can't deal with the threat because i discarded my whole hand and i'm like that's exactly what i wanted even though i'm gonna die now (laughs) it was i remember that game too like it was like I had made everyone lose their hands, and I think I was like at a point where it's like, well, I've done my thing. I can't win now, but I did it. You guys can't play Magic either. <laughs> you dragged us down with you. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite decks, and I think because it, it has so much interaction, but also like like cards like that that really care about like the randomness of something where it's like a 50 50 chance i think a card like gamble too like makes a lot of good stories where you it's mean like red and tomb red and tomb <laughs> slash yeah yeah it, yep. it, it might be red and tomb but it's red and tomb. um like the the cards like that where it's like you have a chance of like maybe uh you know bottomless pit makes your opponent discard the one card that would be able to deal with what you're doing or maybe uh, when it did it to me and I was trying to win. <laughs> and then I'm like, no more bottomless pit. Yeah. Or <laughs> I fucking love bottomless pit or, uh, or yeah, like, like you're gambling for like the, the chance, like you, you'd win the game. Like if you get this card in your hand and you have a chance of getting it, or you have a chance of putting it straight into your hand and then straight into your graveyard. Those cards, I think those randomness, like, especially with like, card manipulation while it isn't always the best to play against it does make a lot of moments where it's like what's gonna happen now you know dude that's why i love my snakes deck like so many crazy stories from that like you were saying earlier but also the time when i made 38 snakes after a like five spell long stack war between all the players in a game to basically remove my commander and then to get rectus and then then i wheeled everyone and that specific wheel let mark draw into a rectus charm oh my god (laughs) that was such a moment yeah oh my god that was so crazy and and that was a perfect example of that randomness because if i didn't get that wheel you wouldn't have got that rectus charm until like way later and, and i wouldn't have had that many snakes and it's like you really take these gambles and yeah and and, and rakdos yeah. charm was like 
randomly like the only card that maybe not the only card but, but it like, was like probably like like the perfect solution yeah to, it was a silver bullet yeah like you had like however many like 40 plus snakes or whatever on your board 38 snakes and 38 life it maybe. was exactly it was the right, exactly the right, right amount too that was the oh funny part. my god yeah like that was an insane it was all those creatures deal one damage to you and it was the exact amount yeah, yeah. and i was probably like a turn away from winning too yeah, yeah it, it was got, crazy oh yeah you, i, you I were, ramped super hard early on if you, you got 100 to your one turn away from oh, yeah. swinging out at everyone and killing everyone not even that dude i i had a basically a gaia's cradle up and 40 creatures yeah <laughs> yeah um do you guys have any other stories you want to share about commander moments just weird cool things i mean we could go on forever about it we, really sure. could. we could even have like a follow-up episode just about these moments we like kind of compile them and just oh absolutely yeah, if you guys want to hear some more of our stories definitely let us know um maybe if you'd be interested in some kind of gameplay type thing as well we'd also be open to that in the future sometime but yeah let's definitely um get your guys's feedback would you guys like to hear us talk about more of our games and experiences yeah i think to anyone who's listening like if you've gotten this far and listened to everything so far that means the world to us because we've been putting a lot of time aside and a lot of effort into starting with with what essentially isn't a perfect project, but something that we all have our hearts really into. So yeah, we've even given up nights of playing commander just so that we could do this. Yeah, that's right. It's a shame, but you know, uh, we're going to get back to commander soon and we're, we love doing this. So to anyone who's listening, thank you very much for listening. I think we're kind of going to be wrapping up our first five episodes here. And, uh, with that, like we have a lot of ideas for changes that we want to make for uh, improvements and for uh, adjustments to make everything from the audio quality to what we talk about more entertaining and more listenable. So if you have any feedback, anyone who's listening, uh, email us at mtgevolvingwild at gmail.com or reach out to us on social medias, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitter. Yeah. Reddit. <laughs> Reddit. Um, like we want to hear that feedback and we hope you've enjoyed these first five episodes that we've put out and hopefully many more to come. Yeah. I, I'm excited to be done with this first block. I'm, you know, excited to potentially come back and do this even better. Yeah, this, this has been a fun experience. I'm so grateful we've been able to have it. And, you know, uh, let's hopefully uh, see what the future holds yeah. for us. <laughs> um, definitely a new experience, new new things to be learned, and uh, and a lot of exciting ideas in the future. I think we're all kind of brimming with, like, what are we going to talk about next? What are we going to do next? So stick around for that. Um, I'm sure we'll have more in-depth updates via social media and um yeah hopefully you've liked what you listened to so far and you'll be back for uh what we do next but thank you all for listening all right have a good night yep. thanks again guys take care peace <laughs>